0: So far in this series, I've been trying my best to convey to you that you are magnificent and not in like a, you know, like positive thinking kind of thing. That's pretty limited, but I try to convey to you that you are magnificent because you are created in the image of God. So we're going with the Bible thing. We've all agreed that that is the basis of our belief, the Bible. And the Bible says that God created us in his image. And so that every single one of you was created in the image of God. Somehow inside of you there is some remnant, some sliver maybe, but some actual reality of the image of God inside of you. Try to convey that since we are equally created in the image of God, that means that we equally bear the seeds of magnificence. That since it's really God's magnificence we're talking about and not ours, that since we're equally created in the image of God, then we equally bear the seeds of magnificence. And, uh, you know, so when you see one person in your estimation, they seem more magnificent in these realities than another, it's not because they have a different potential, but that we are equally created with the same potential to glorify God and to reflect His magnificence. try to convey to you that the condition of sin, this sin thing that has come and visited the world through Satan, That the condition of sin has ravaged our ability to live in awareness of the image of God within us. That sin has come and has done its work in our lives and in some cases we've participated. In some cases we've just sort of shown the world that it's true, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? I'm not arguing against that. But this sin thing has come and it has done such a work in us, the lie has become so prevalent in our minds and in our culture that it's, it's... Without something happening, it's impossible for us to live out of an awareness of the image of God in us. And so we struggle along, and we think, you know, I suck at everything, I'm I, I just, uh, I'm a failure, I'm hopeless, and these kind of messages go through our minds, and they're not true, that's part of the lie. I've tried to convey to you that Jesus Christ died on the cross for us to rescue us from sin, and and to give an opportunity for the image of God to be reborn in us. That of all the things that the cross is about, the shed blood of Jesus, it certainly is the only remedy for our sin. It pays our penalty for our sin and makes us right with God. That's true. And the blood of Jesus makes a place for us in heaven. That's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. But among the many things that the blood of Jesus does when it was spilt on the cross that one day and continues to speak for us, is it's the thing that brings life to us and causes the image of God to be reborn in us. So you talk about being born again. Well, what's born again? The image of God in us as, as we're restored in the redemptive work of Christ on the cross then causes that part of us to come alive. The Bible says in the Old Testament that that the life is in the blood. And so the life of God is in the blood of Christ and given to us through our salvation when we come to Him And it's that image of God, then, that begins to reverse the effects of the condition of sin so we can start living out of this awareness of the image of God, right? That's pretty magnificent. Hello? Is anybody here? I can see you now. I know you're here. And then I've also tried to convey that the Word of God, and primarily we mean the Bible by that. You know, I mean, yeah, the Bible is the Word of God. The the Word of God and also the Holy Spirit the active, present ministry of the Holy Spirit, work in us to increase our ability to reflect the image of God. So what's the Word of God and the Holy Spirit doing in us? It's polishing us up, right? They're working together to polish us and take away the tarnished surfaces, if you will, so that we can have an opportunity then to be reflective surfaces for the glory of God and and the image of God. So this morning, I'm not sure if it's the last message of the series or not, but this morning I'd like to talk to you about how to reflect the image of God to the world around you. So if you've followed me this far, haven't run you off, then the question is, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to believe you, that I'm created in the image of God, and that's a magnificent thing, so how is it that I live out this magnificence? What do I do? Well, one of the scriptures that we developed more fully two weeks ago was in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and I'm not going to redo all that work of development that we did two weeks ago. I'm just going to camp on this single verse, which is a little bit unusual for us, but I want to—I want us to notice what it is the Bible says. And Paul says, And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory. You get that? We, we all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who's the Spirit. And there... The key word is reflect. That that here we are, we're created in such a way and redeemed in Christ so that now we who with unveiled faces, and you remember the context of that, the larger passage said that Moses used to put a veil over his face, but that was Old Testament, that was Old Covenant, and now in the New Covenant in Christ, we take the veil off and we say, shine, let it shine, Lord. Just let your glory shine on me so that it can radiate to the world so we with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory. It's His glory that we're reflecting. It's His magnificence. We're being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory. So God, who is glory, is shining on us. And He's, He's reaching us, and He's reaching out to us. And as we turn what I'm thinking of as these reflective surfaces, if you will, that's not a Bible word, that's a Tom word, but these reflective surfaces toward God, then... His magnificence is revealed. And we saw, you know, that we talked about the moon. The moon is a dark rock. It has no light of its own, right? It's just a rock. But when it is somehow positioned in one of its phases just right, and it's positioned in such a way so it is turned toward the sun, it's magnificent. It's magnificent. It's breathtaking. And it's a dark rock having no light of its own, but reflecting the light of the sun. The dark, things become, the dark thing becomes a magnificent thing. Could there be a better parable of what it even means to be a Christian, right? And here we are, this dark thing, this rock, and yet we have some kind of reflective capacity so that when we turn ourselves appropriately through salvation, redemption, we turn ourselves to the Lord, He can shine His glory off of us. And the thing that was once dark becomes magnificent.
1: Hello? This is all I've been trying to say for five weeks. Really. I think we have several reflective
0: surfaces. And they each have an opportunity to reflect the magnificence of God. But I want you to get this, that our core magnificence is not based on anything that we really bring to the party. I'm not saying that we're just wonderful people. I'm saying we have the capacity through Christ, the work of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit into us, polish up these surfaces so that His glory, His magnificence can be seen off of it. Make sense? Say yeah or start again. Okay. So I think that we have several reflective surfaces and in this, I think we could think of ourselves as diamonds with more reflective, certain many facets, different ways to reflect as the diamond reflects the light in amazing ways that we have an opportunity to reflect the glory of God and his light, his glory, and his magnificence. Ask me what some of them are. So glad you asked. I was going to tell you, even if you didn't ask. Well, I think there are a lot of ways to think about this, but I am going to quickly give you the five that I think are the most common reflective surfaces that we have. And maybe it will maybe it'll make sense. The first one is pretty obvious. I think it's worship. So when we turn to God and worship, we reflect his glory. You know what we're doing in worship? I mean, maybe we don't maybe we assume too much when people come and we sing these songs and look around and see some people kind of into it and some people kinda not. And that's really up to you. But my idea is maybe we don't talk enough about what it is we're doing in worship. And in worship, we're really our job is just to reflect God's glory. It's just to polish up that surface of ourselves and turn it toward what God is doing in the room and reflect his glory. We don't really have to come up with much of anything on our own, really. You just, you're just a mirror, reflect. That's are I do in worship. Just that's why I raise my hands. It's because I got three reflective surfaces. One, two, three. I mean, this is a gift from God when it comes to worship, right here. You, you guys who have hair, I pity you. I pity you. I don't know how you do. I don't know how you worship. The Bible says that it's disgraceful if a man comes into the scripture with his head, the church with his head covered, right? That's why. That's not true. That's I mean that's true the scripture says that that's not what it means. But just I'm just trying to reflect God's glory. See it. <laughs> but this is what worship is. It's to reflect the truth of God, the glory of God, as the glory of God is being poured out on a gathered fellowship. We're just trying to show him something that we can we can reflect this glory. If you think about it, quite often, you know, the words we use in worship or a song we use in worship centers around a concept or a word. And so if the song, for example, it's an easy thing to think about, is about the love of God, then the love of God is being poured out at that time, and we're just holding up our mirrors, our surfaces so that we can reflect it. And so, who are to whom are we reflecting this let me just say it. Who are we reflecting this to? <laughs> Woods are hard. <laughs> I think we're reflecting it to toward God. We're reflecting it back. Your love, O oh Lord, reaches to the heavens off my head. Your love, O oh Lord, pour it out. I want to reflect that back to you. But we also reflect it toward one another. And so when we sing... You know, some of our songs are to God. Your love, O Lord. It's expression to God. Some of our songs are about God. And I think these are every bit as valid and legitimate as any other song because we're reflecting the glory of God to each other in a, and the place comes alive. We're reflecting the glory of God in worship to the world. We're reflecting the glory of God in worship to the, the, the kingdom realities of light and darkness. And we're putting the kingdom of darkness notice that God is power, God is loving, and we're living in the midst of that. Come on. It's more than just about singing the songs, whether your favorite band's up or not. It's about opening up the reflective surfaces and whatever. What's happening in the room? Just pushing it back out. And you get to decide whether or not to do that, don't you? You get to decide. You still have a will, you still have an intention that you can bring to that. And everybody's maybe in a little different place on that. I respect that. But I'm just asking you the question inside, when it's time for worship, are you turning the surfaces toward what's going on in the room so that it can be reflected, that God's, God's glory and magnificence can be seen? That's one way. Second way is prayer. I think as we pray, alone or together, it's another reflective surface, another facet of our Of our diamond, you know, prayer. I think so often we're kind of taught to pray that prayer is okay. I got all this stuff, man, and God's out there somewhere. God, 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 and you know, sort of, is this going anywhere? Is anybody really connecting? And see, prayer and worship are so, are so, are they the same thing? And so, as we connect with God and worship, then we can pray, and the prayer becomes an engagement with God, not a yelling off, not a putting the hopeful things in the bottle and throwing it out on the ocean and hope God finds it. But a dynamic interaction with God. And it's true, we have stuff to pray about. The Bible says we should pray about our needs. Absolutely. But I've just discovered over decades of trying to figure this out and follow Jesus that prayer is every bit as much about God talking to me about what's happening as it is about Him hearing what I think I need. And that's a reflective surface that so you can turn toward God. On Tuesday nights here at 8 o'clock, we have a small prayer gathering. And it's every Tuesday night, 8 o'clock. And uh, it's really free-flowing. There's a little worship. There's a little opening up the Holy Spirit. Say, so what do you want us to pray about? It's a very dynamic flow of God. And you're welcome to come. You're all welcome to come. No experience necessary. In fact, this, this Tuesday, I'm gonna, I'm going to add something that we haven't done before. I'm going to add a a brief teaching component to it. So it's not going to be like a big lesson or a full sermon or anything, but a, a teaching component in it to help equip you. Tuesday night before last, we were all praying together, and God just struck me with what a privilege it was to be there. I hadn't been able to be there because I was teaching some of our other classes and wasn't available at that time, and I'd missed it for a couple of months. And what a privilege it was to be there, and the Holy Spirit started speaking to me about the privilege of intercession about the privilege of that. The book of Ezekiel, the prophet says God's looking to and fro, looking for somebody who will stand in the gap. I want to talk to you about that this Tuesday night, teaching about that. But this is part of our reflective surface. And, you know, Tuesday night, it doesn't matter, but whenever we pray, just say, God, I just want to reflect, I want to be engaged in your glory. I think ministry is a third reflective surface we have. And by that, I mean whatever it is you do by the will of God and the leading of God and the empowerment of God. Ministry we often too often confine to, you know, what I'm a, you know, people like me, professional Christians do. I get paid to be good, right? You guys are good for nothing. But what what it is that we do each one uniquely by the gifts he has given us by the Circumstances in which He's placed us as we just walk out our walk with Him. The ministry that unfolds in front of us. This is a reflective, another reflective surface because there are two ways to go about our ministry. One is by our, our strength, and the other is by His. Which way you reckons better? Yeah, He's seen your ministry. Now He wants to show you His, right? <laughs> and it's about it's about seeing what the Father's doing and just being. Active, actively engaged and reflecting His glory into your world. Ministry. Jesus said something like in Matthew 5, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So they see your good works, that's your ministry, but that's the light of God bouncing off of you. It's not that it doesn't require any effort. The effort is in making sure God is there in the midst of it. I think a fourth reflective surface that we have is something we don't talk a lot about here, and that's sacrifice. Sacrifice. As we sacrifice, we actually give opportunity for God to glorify himself through us. You know, at the core of the gospel reality is sacrifice, the supreme sacrifice of God's perfect son, Jesus Christ. Gave his life on the cross, shed his blood. We know how that goes. At the core, at the center of the gospel reality is sacrifice. And so throughout, we are invited to live sacrificial lives. And we have plenty of opportunities to do this. Plenty of ways that we can just keep saying, not about me, it's about you. How can can it be more of you, less of me? Sacrifice. And when we do this with a cheerful heart, it it demonstrates that we're in a kind of relationship with God that he's he's reflecting his glory off of us. This happens every time Karen and I write out our tithe checks. Twice a month, Karen and I do our bills together. We've been doing it that way for a while because here's what happens. If I try to do them, I say, I'll just take care of the checkbook, I'm the man. I screw it up. We go broke. If I say, honey, just take care of it. Don't bother me with it, which we did for a while. I'm always frustrated because we never have any money. How come we never have any money? (laughs) And so 15 years ago or so, we had this brilliant idea. Why don't we do it together? Hey, hey, why don't we just do it together? So twice a month, I get paid twice a month. We sit down. First thing we do she's all, she's all the budgeter. She's got all that stuff. She's the Dave Ramsey disciple and all that. all happening in her little notebooks and her little envelopes. I just show up for the party. But the first thing I do is I just grab her hand and we just pray and we just thank God. We just thank God. He provided. Guys, we thank God
1: for you. We know how this works. You tithe, we eat. We are so grateful for you. We know how this works. Some of you are out there doing
0: jobs you hate. You hate your jobs and you go and do them because it's the job you have and then you come and you move the decimal point over one place and you tithe. Please don't ever lose sight of the fact of how much we appreciate that.
1: And we talk about it and we pray about it. And so when it comes time for us to make the same sacrifice, it's the sacrifice of joy.
0: And sacrificing this way, you know, can you not sense the glory of God coming off of a sacrifice like that? And name the sacrifice. I just use that as an example. could be anything. But this is an opportunity for us to reflect the glory of God. And then, Finally, I just want to talk about the fruit of the Spirit is a, is a reflective surface that we have to offer to God. Anybody get to Galatians yet? So a little bit toward the back, seven of you. I missed seeing you. I, I really did. Thank you for coming. I didn't really even know if you've been here the last six weeks. So you get to Galatians in chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, or something like that. It says, uh, but the fruit of the Spirit, meaning the thing that comes, the fruit, when we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. We get all fussed up about whether you're going to speak in tongues or not. Just, would you just set all that aside for a second? And look, the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love,
1: joy, peace, patience, kindness,
0: goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And folks, when we can live like that, we're reflecting the glory of God, right? So that's a reflective service. As we dwell in the Spirit, as we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, we're offering Him another reflective surface so that He gets glory. Because anybody who knows us knows we're not pulling off that life on our own, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Hello? How many of you like me? You can do that for a short, you can fake it for a short while, then you forget. And then you're your own bad self again. It's just God living in us that brings about that kind of quality of life. But these are what I consider to be the most common reflective surface. I hope it's helpful for you to think about this because every one of you has these surfaces and more I'm sure we could, we could think about. The key is just constantly turning ourselves toward God, right, with these things, with intention, because you control these things. You, you decide whether or not you're going to do these things or not. It's really up to you whether you're going to order your world around these kinds of priorities and your work, your job. Can be a ministry. should be a ministry. Going to work and asking God, what, what are you doing in this place? Doesn't mean you have to get all religious and stuff. There are enough of those people around. It means you can be spiritual. You could bring the kingdom of God to bear on your shop.
1: But it's about constantly just
0: turning uh, a reflective surface toward God. And I think maybe one of the most important elements of this teaching is that all five of these things are meant to be held in an intentional balance. We're all meant to do all of them. Sometimes people say, well, I'm more of a worshiper and a prayer. You know, they play the Mary-Martha card. Oh, come on, that's a bunch of BS. Would you just get over that, all right? Did I just say BS? I did. Worship and prayer. They say, I'm more of a Mary. And the, and the ministry and the sacrifice, People, well, I'm more of a Martha. Come on. Are you really using that for an excuse not to give God all of your facets of glory? If you're dug down in the ministry and the sacrifice thing and you're not worshiping and praying, I think you're living dangerously close to a works righteousness program. And I think if you're living in the worship and ministry world and go, you know, I just don't do that other stuff, I think you're just becoming more heavenly minded and no earthly good. God wants to work through you. That's why we worship, that's why we pray. Yeah? And it's up to us to hold these
1: things in balance. Order our world. Well, that's about all I got to say about that. Um, next week I think
0: I want to talk with you, if I do another <laughs> week, uh, about polishing your surfaces. I have two thoughts that came to me in prayer about how we can keep these surfaces polished so God gets maximum glory and magnificence off of us. One of them I think you'd probably be able to figure out, but the other one might surprise you. Suspense. Here's how I'd like for us to spend our just remaining couple of minutes. What if we just took took a few minutes to worship God? Would that be all right? It's one of our reflective surfaces, right? It's one one of the reflective surfaces, and it's an act of the will. It's an intention so that you can decide whether you do this and to what degree you do it. And rather than bring the whole band up, which is wonderful, I love our band, but let's just strip it down. Let's just strip it down.
1: Let's just make it basic and let's give you an opportunity to be the band and to pour it out
0: Just see if I'm right. Maybe this is new territory for some of you. Just see if I'm right. That if you intentionally, as an act of your will, turn yourself toward God in worship, see if something magnificent doesn't begin to happen. What I'd like to do is uh, focus on one word in this worship. A couple of songs, one word. And the word is holy. Because at the core of God's existence, he is holy. True? He is holy. And holiness just emanates from who God is. I don't know if I fully understand or even what that means because I've never been holy in that regard. I've never met anybody who was completely holy. But God is. And so this is one of those opportunities where I've invited the Lord just to come and pour out His holiness on the church and for you to reflect it back
1: to Him, to one another. That would be all right? You might want to stand.